child. <laughs> Could go to your head. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Hello, you're listening to Dear Reader, a book talk show featuring chatty librarians bringing you reading recommendations and a whole lot of book loving. I'm Louise Cadell. And I'm Bernadine Nolan. And a big welcome to you, dear listener, for tuning in to our very first episode of Dear Reader. Before we get started, we want to remind you that we'd love to hear what you're reading, so tweet us at Library with the hashtag Dear Reader, and you can download previous Dear Reader episodes at SoundCloud or iTunes by searching for Melbourne Library Service and subscribing. Woohoo! First episode! All right, so uh, what's our theme, Burn? What are, what are we reading? What, what are we about today? We're about train trash. Train trash. Train trash. And I have a long commute, so I read and I read. And not all of this train trash is trash, as we'll discover now. <laughs> so is it? Is that where the idea came from? The idea is just stuff, stuff to read on your commute? Yes. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's anything. So we're going to go from hmm, interesting, but stay tuned. All right. Uh, so I guess, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay. Uh, for Train Trash, I chose three titles that kind of fit in with what I normally choose. I usually finish at the library and I grab what takes my fancy. I'm very visual. I love book covers and I take anything that looks pretty. Well, that's most people do, unless <laughs> they have a librarian in the family. True, true. Or I take stuff that looks really small because my commute is quite small. I don't I, have a long one. I often take books that have been suggested to me by our borrowers at oh, Melbourne Library oh, Service. There you go. Well, uh, since I knew we were doing Train Trash, the book I chose was, I think, aptly titled The Bus Driver Who Wanted to Be God by Edgar Carrot. Ooh. Yeah, this is great. So I've I've actually always wanted to read something by Edgar Carrot. Uh, he is always on lists of writers to watch and he's a, a god in Israel. And I was looking at an interview from Richard Feidler and um, oh, he mentioned... I know. They're and so he, he mentioned that his books are the most shoplifted in Israel. Really? Yeah, which I think is a pretty, pretty good sign. Do you read it? You'll get to know interesting facts <laughs> like this with Louise and I. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I chose this book because of the title, The Bus Driver Wanted to Be God. Perfect for train trash and for commuting. Mm-hmm. Um, so as an introduction to this writer, it was beautiful. I loved it. It was... It was a beautiful book to dip in and out of, and it was perfect because there are 22 stories in it, and as my commute is quite short, they're all very, very short stories. Some of them are only two or three pages long. Oh, really? Yeah. Really easy to digest. So great for nursing mothers or people who... Perfect. Just don't have a lot of time. Don't have a lot of time. And I think the best thing, without without ruining the, the stories, are really um, fantastical. Some of them are really real and other the other stories have elements of hell or really, really random things going on that I would read a story and yep. then I'd just kind of look out the window and think about it. and Anything is possible. Yeah, it was nice. It was, an, it was a perfect train commute because, you know, he, he has a lot of themes going on and it's all about life. And so it's variety. Yes, relationships. But, you know, I'd sit there and I'd read a bit and I'd think, oh. What does he mean by that? And then I'd be home. It was fab. Loved oh, it. Questions of the universe. <laughs> so what was your what was your first train trash? Well, 
the one I selected for the first one was Anything is Possible by Elizabeth Strout. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has previously written My Name is Lucy Barton, and you don't necessarily have to read that first, but it you can. Um, it's a collection of nine connected short stories, and it's set in Amgash, Illinois. Now, I did have a little research, and there is no such place that I can tell, which was a pity because I had visions on my mind of what it looked like. Um, the character Lucy Barton uh, is a best-selling New York writer who returns to her hometime, hometown for the first time in 17 years to catch up with her siblings. And the f- stories focus on people who knew Lucy when she was growing up and they're shaped and sometimes haunted by their past or the people that are still in town are trapped by present relationships and their inability to say how they feel. And it's very understated. So there were times that I really loved this book and there were times I did question why I was actually reading it. (laughs) Um, I will put a disclaimer. I'm not a big short story fan, but I actually have have actually gotten to like them a little bit more since I've been doing the commute. I think it's hard. If you don't have a good short story, I think you kind of feel like you're wasting your time. I think I do anyway. Yeah, I think she's a very interesting writer in the fact that she's got a lot of compassion for her characters, but there's never over-sentimental tales with them. It's just very, um, very interesting. There's one that I really did like and uh, um, Mary, a woman, goes to visit her mother who's now living in an Italian village with her younger lover. The daughter tells Mary that other people they pass on the street mistakenly believe that because of the visible age different, her romantic partner is actually her son. And Mary considers this, except why would they think I was his mother? I'm American, he's Italian. They probably don't think that. Uh, <laughs> And the daughter says, you're my mother. So there's a little bit of pathos in these, but um, it's just it's just very subtle and sometimes that can just be a little bit too much mm. or not enough. Yeah. You kind, of, you kind of want a short story to punch, I think. Yes. you And because it's such a short amount of time, so you want, you want a story that will grab you straight away and that as soon as you finish it, you just immediately want so much more. When... The story when Lucy actually meets her sister, that is the sort of the climax of the book. So okay. go for it if you like short stories. <laughs> All right. That takes me to review number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second book was by Rachel Kong and it's called Goodbye Vitamin. I have just started reading oh, it. Have you? Yes. Was it because I was raving about it? No, I saw it and thought, oh. and then you had it the other day and I thought, well, I'll read it as well. So are you liking it? I'm loving it. I'm really, I really, really like this book. I chose it because it's a hot pick. And what I love about hot picks is you got to be quicker than dead. You just got to grab it. Um, and I've been kind of umming and ahhing thinking, mm, I don't know. I don't know if I want to. It's it's about uh, this 30-something-year-old woman who goes back to her hometown to live with her parents and her dad's got Alzheimer's. So mm. he's just been diagnosed. And um, I was a little... I don't know. You kind of feel sometimes you know where stories like this are going. You know, there's going to be a lot of secrets unveiled and a lot of um, retrospective thinking and thinking about life and then realising everything's great in the end. Mm. And it is. it has a lot of elements of that, but it was just... Not not too sappy and but still still hooked you in emotionally and I loved her 
it was written a little bit like a diary, but it was yes. just sort of with the dates. It wasn't really dear diary, blah, 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 blah. And I loved the switch that happens sort of about mid to two thirds of the way through that she starts uh, doing things a little bit differently and remembering stuff a bit differently. So it's all about memories and things we remember and people we have in our lives and how we how we paint them, how we mm. our relationships with them and how our relationships, our memories aren't the same as exactly. someone else's or even theirs. Particularly and, too when the dad brings out those scraps of paper that he's yeah. written about. So I don't, did. I don't know how far you've gotten, so I don't want to no, say anything. But it's really keep going, sweet. keep going. Um, no, no, no. I was just gonna say, I, I love that, and I, my favorite thing as well is the, um, the factoids that just litter the book, like all these funny things, like, uh, you know, iguanas. Um, can't eat iceberg lettuce because oh, they just get addicted to it. They get addicted to it. To it. <laughs> Won't eat anything else. I love factoids. I'm always that person who's telling everyone. And I goats have square it. eyes. Yeah. Was that part of it? That was right. <laughs> and so I'm trying to visualise goats with square eyes. I'm really thinking, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I loved it. But, I mean, similar to the Edgar Carrot book that I read, yep. this is quite digestible. And because they're short sort short. of diary entries, it was perfect for my commute because I could just kind of dip in and out without any sort of um, – you follow the story and you're in mm. very quickly, but you could you could feel like you could step away from it for a little while without thinking, oh, I've lost the I've lost the definitely the, the feeling. Yeah, the um, so I I really love it. I loved her writing, and I would in a in a nice way I would say it's a really good palate cleanser of a book. So I would I feel like if you're in a bit of a heavy book and you you still want to keep your your reading going, although it's got a heavy subject. Oh, it definitely does. But I mean more the writing style. Yes. It's it's easy to get sucked into Kong's world. She, she writes beautifully, and it's but it's really simple. It's not fluffy. It's not over the top. Um, and it's also not like I said. It doesn't. I don't like those books that I feel are manipulative in my emotions. Like let's take an already. Yes. It's not moralising either. Yeah. And, you know, let's take a sad topic and let's really milk you for it. So she doesn't do that at all. And it's great. Beautiful. Yeah. So what's what's your leads me into my second one, which is Life in a Fishbowl by Len Vlahos. Now, this is actually a young adult novel. Mm -hmm. Uh, So many people recommended it to me that I thought I have to read it. And it's written with a dry humour and honesty. It centres around Jared Stone, who's in the Oregon State Legislature, and he is diagnosed with an inoperable terminal brain tumour, which is high-grade glioblastoma multiform. And after four months, he's been given four months to live. But he almost goes into denial and forgets to tell his family about it. The first thing that they know, that he's actually not well, apart from a few signs of him not talking to them very much, is that he actually uh, puts an ad on eBay and the ad says, Human life for sale. 45-year-old man with four months to live is selling his life to the highest bidder. You may do with him as you please, slavery, murder, torture, or just pleasant conversation. (laughs) A human life, yours to control, yours to assist, yours to own. Buyers must live in the state or country with a law allowing assisted suicides and the buyers bear the cost of transportation and tax and there is a reserve for this auction. 
Oh my gosh, it sounds so creepy but really good. He doesn't have enough money for the family to survive after he dies. So this is his way of providing for his family. No way. So the bidding war begins and this is where it gets really interesting because you've got uh, (laughs) this Ethan Overby who's a shrewd television executive. You've got another megalomaniac uh, billionaire. You've got two daughters, Jackie, who centres mostly in the novel, and you've got the wife. Uh, And it's just very, very interesting. What I particularly liked about it, you actually, because it's written in the third person, Gleo, the tumour, actually talks and speaks. And so it's a very powerful when you, uh, it's one part of the book, the tumour is sitting there and Jared is remembering the first time he ever held his daughter Jackie, his firstborn. And Gleo the tumour is looking at it and savouring all those memories mm-hmm. and slowly eating those memories. It's particularly funny in parts. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't sound no, like it's funny. because Jackie, Jackie, what happens is the plug, it's pulled from eBay, it's now the... Uh, television series so it becomes a reality tv series mm-hmm. to which the family lo- object yeah cameras around them 24 7 so jackie becomes a little bit of a militant and tries to uh stop the filming so she goes around one night and puts black nugget over all the cameras in the <laughs> house so there's, there's a little twist and she has a, a, a friend on Facebook, who his name is Max, um, who lives in Russia. So a lot of her feelings and her portrayals are conducted via Facebook to okay. Max and messaging. Uh, I did find at the end it's not a happy one because you do know what's going to happen. Yeah, there's no but getting around that. You also feel as though you're actually consuming him as you consume the story. So it's quite oh, yeah. it's quite an interesting dichotomy. So. That was my second read. Far out. I can't, I can't follow that. I've got... Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast over. Okay. Uh, so my, my third book uh, is a nonfiction. Oh. So I love nonfiction. I'm trying to read a lot more. Uh, and the one I chose was by Noam Chomsky. And it's Media Control, The Heavy. Spectacular Achievements of Propaganda. Which... <laughs> I confess it is a very tiny book. It is quite small, perfect for commutes. Very uh, heavy read. <laughs> but but uh, one of those books that you you can kind of have a chuckle with reading on public transport when it's really busy and you see other people looking at what you're reading and then you're like, yeah, I'm, yes, I'm checking I'm out propaganda. E- I'm an intellectual. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, also, you know, it's it's... It, that's Noam Chomsky, you know. Um, but basically, it, it kind of boils down to it's all about uh, mass media being the primary vehicle for delivering propaganda in the United States. So extremely fake current. news. Yeah, just you know. It, but it's it's also saying that this has existed for a really long time, and mm. it was sort of the war years that really brought this out. World War One and Two, um, and he has a lot of historical references, which is always handy to have because um, you, you do think particularly in current political media climates that this is just a now problem or a now thing it's definitely not no um and it's it's he has 
a really simple way of writing. And he's, he's almost, he's very uh, deliberate in what he says, of course. And, but he's also very, you just get the feeling that there's kind of no room to question whether he's right or not, which is quite, is quite annoying in some parts, but also it's quite, uh, quite comforting because you've got someone who's saying, this This is is how this is. This is how I think this is. And then he sort of, he sort of parlays against that with questions like could it be like this or why would this happen if this happened and he's he's good I really you know really really easy to digest so uh, despite the title and despite the really heavy subject matter it was I found it a real easy read on my way home particularly when your brain's kind of whirring after work and you you can't really switch off because sometimes I find I can't get myself into the shoes of a woman leaving San Francisco and going to look after her father with Alzheimer's. No, you know, no. I'm like, that's that's too heavy for me, you know, well, whereas... The weather's just so bad in Melbourne that you can't... <laughs> that's it. So I sort of think, oh, media propaganda, I can kind of dip in and out of that. And yeah. you sort of... <laughs> makes it well, maybe <laughs> 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 makes me feel like I'm learning a bit more yeah. in my commute home. And yeah, but I, I, really, I really enjoy his style. And, you know, I mean, he is... He's a prolific writer and he's, you know, he's got a name for himself with this sort of stuff. Definitely. But, um, so it, in a, in a way it's a brand, you know, in inverted commas and, and yep. one that's somewhat trusting, but it is, you can't get away from the, the, the funniness of reading about media propaganda from someone who's in the media, you know, you're kind of like, yeah, what's going on? Oh. Um, but it made me think, which I really love. And it made me just, it's nice, you know, on your way home, you're sitting there and to think of something new or something that's unrelated well, potentially to my job that, exactly. I mean, it's all related to our lives, but, you know, something that I don't deal with every day to think but about a bit deeper is always good. The other thing too, it's nonfiction is not always hard. No, definitely not. Um, and and, and the it's not always it, dying boring. So. No, and the, and the, and that's the thing. There's this, so he, he is very entertaining and he's really punchy. So again, I chose this because some of the chapters are quite small. So you can, you know, I found myself reading over a couple of pages Mm. because, you know, I was sort of drifting off thinking, what is he talking about now? Um, But then again, if I was a bit more switched on, I could whip through a couple of chapters chapters. and it just, but you didn't have to. It was digestible bite-sized pieces and it just made me think and it was very, very well written. Maybe that's something we do for another Dear reader, oh, some non-fiction. Non-fiction. The last one I'm going to talk about today is The Museum of Modern Love by Heather Rose. Oh. Now, this is an Australian book. Yeah. Uh, what did it win? It Why was not? the winner of the 2017 Stella Prize. Yeah. And it is actually based on Marina Abramovic's performance of The Artist is Present that was held in 2010 where the artist sat at a table in the Museum of Modern Art in New York. She sat there in silence every day for three months, inviting members of the public to sit opposite her and exchange gazes. Now, I hope the woman could talk when she finished her performance. (laughs) I'm sure she has a lot to say. But to sit there, I, I just... The, the whole concept of sitting there in total silence, mm. I I found quite difficult because everybody who knows me knows that I can't be silent very often. Did you did you see some of the news articles around when that was happening? A lot of pictures of just people crying, crying, breaking the down effect and... that she had on people. Yeah, or even just the effect of like how how much do you look at someone? 
Like, well, actually look at them for a concentrated that, That's what they were saying. Period of time. She just had this, this gaze and mm. you looked into her eyes and got lost. Mm. Um, very, very confrontational. Very, very much so. And so I would like to know the effect that it had on her at yeah. the end of it as well. It's a really good, really good question. Goodness. Um, and if we had have had more time, I probably would have written to her and asked her. <laughs> uh, but but it's, it was just seriously beautiful in the fact that there were all these different stories running through it because of the people that would actually come to see her and some... Some were lining up at four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning just to be in the queue to get in to see her. And some people would go for one 10-minute session. Some would last for the length of time that they were allowed to. And others were trying to get in every day. Wow. So it is absolutely amazing. The other thing that I thought was really interesting Rose's early research for the novel involved diving through boxes of books that would later become curator Dave Walsh's library at Tasmania's Museum of Old and New Art at Mona. So when Mona was built, uh, Rose had her own research space adjacent to the library to support her writing and reading. And I thought it was very interesting because, as everyone knows, Mona is an amazing place. Mm. But David Walsh, who was the founder and curator, said it is a weirdly beautiful book. Mm. How do you find it? I I have to agree in a little way. Yeah, right. Um, and I still, I still wonder what I because she is a performance artist as well. It's not everyone would see it as being art. Mm. True. I think yeah. I think a lot of people would be like, "What? What is that? Yeah. That's not art. Art is a painting on the wall." But then. Um, art is to all people different things. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's amazing. It is a very amazing read. And the fact that it won the Stella Prize, I think it's great. It, but it does ask questions about the nature of art, life and love, and mm. it finds a way to answer them. I'm not sure that it answers all of them, but there I'm not we sure go. you can, right? I mean, that's exactly the human experience. How do you answer a question that is different for seven plus billion people? Exactly. Wow. Oh, it sounds fabulous. I want to read it now. I was actually, you made me remember I read an article, I think it was in the New York Times, and it was about, it was a love test. And there was, you know, 30 or 50 questions that this, this relationship expert sits down with couples and makes them, makes them do all these questions, right? And then part of it is they have to sit across from each other. I think it's for four minutes. And I think... They did a study where they were studying all these different people, and I apologise if I'm forgetting this article, if I'm not saying this correctly. Uh, But they were saying that if you look at someone for four minutes, just four minutes, four whole minutes, and you look at them, you can't look at anything else, you will probably fall in love with them because it's just this, along with these answers. I know, right? Is that without blinking? (laughs) (laughs) But I just thought. That seems crazy. And it was just all about matching people together and just how, and I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's true or not, but my point was along with that art, um, you know, exhibition, it made me think of, yeah, how many times are you actually for, like, you think four minutes is really short, but it's a long time to Mm. just be looking at someone 
And it just made me think that, yeah, what I I wish I could have gone to New York and been sat across from her because it just would have been interesting. I think it would have been absolutely amazing. And to see the effect that it would have had. Yeah. So. Because she must, I reckon, I mean, I don't know, did she ever cry or things? Do we know that? Because I think if she was just a stone face for that, I think that would have been tough. You know, if you had someone in front of you crying, it would be really she, tough. In the book, she uh, Rose describes part of this um, interesting woman who actually strips naked and sits opposite her, and what? she shows no emotion at all. Whoa. She just keeps looking. Um, <laughs> and I thought, if that seriously happened, you surely you'd blink a couple of times yep. or something. So, wow. oh, what a woman! Oh my gosh! Amazing. Well, uh, I, I tell you what, I did want to know. I thought just quickly I'd ask you, is there any time you've been on public transport and you've been reading a book that has, I don't know, been embarrassing? You know, maybe you've read something naughty and it's made you blush or you've cracked up out loud because whatever you're reading is just too funny. Or I have. I have intentionally um, the not read the finish of one book because I knew that it would probably bring me to tears because oh it was gosh. so – it was the Kent Haroof. Oh, yeah. So you so you were reading it but you wouldn't finish it on public transport. I wouldn't finish transport. it on public transport because I knew that it, it was going to – it was so beautifully written that I knew that I was yeah. probably going to have a little weep. Yeah. <sighs> I, think, I think crying's the worst. I remember I met my, my dad for coffee one day and I was on the bus and I was reading Atonement. And I was right oh. at the end. And I had no idea. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? And, you know, I get to the, the, I finished it and I was right, right at the end. And that's, you know, what a, what a literary punch. I mean, far out. Exactly. So I was just bawling <laughs> and I got off the bus and I'm pretty sure the lady next to me thought I'd broken up with my boyfriend. I was like, you know, something <laughs> awful had happened and I get off the bus and I go to meet my dad and he's like, oh my God. What's wrong? And I'm like, my book is really sad. Hard to explain that. And he was just like, and you caught the bus like this? <laughs> the other thing I have noticed, though, is that because I mainly do train travel, so you've got your four people in the one little area, that readers, if they see somebody with a book, will tend to sit with them. Yeah. So you'll often, even if it's um, on a on a device, but you'll often have four people in a little pod yeah, you're or right. reading, reading together because there's there's something about it that says, okay, we're readers, yeah. we're cool. <laughs> <laughs> there must be a weird like um, energy going on. You know, you yeah. kind of get sucked into the vortex of the reading corner. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what it is. <laughs> you know, as opposed to somebody who's got their headphones on and is, is swaying and sort of doing this. You know, tap 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 to, in tune to the music. So, have you yeah. have you ever gotten ideas from someone on a commute? Yes, mm. yes, indeed. I read. Uh, I'm just trying to think what it was. My memory escapes me, uh, but there was a recommendation. Yeah. Uh, and I have, you know, sometimes, or you'll see people, and they'll be looking at you. Yep. And, yeah. What are you reading? And, and I do the same, and they'll be looking and looking and looking, and you'll think. Oh, yes, put the book up, put yeah. the book up. Well, there's so, me with my Noam Chomsky media yeah. propaganda book. So <laughs> put like, it up. Check so it. Here it is. Um, and it's also a great um, advertisement for 
for the library service because yeah. they can see that it's Melbourne Library Service. Yeah, I sticker. always hope people see that. I'm like, yeah. it's a library book. You could totally have this after me. You can, you can read this. Yes, exactly. So it's a bit of, of publicity as well. So there I we remember, go. I remember being on the train recently and someone was reading Patty Smith's book, M Train. Yep. And I really loved that book. And I was just so, I just, I think I'd only read it maybe a couple of months before and I was like, oh. I just really want to go up to that person and talk to them about the book and be like, are you enjoying it? Yeah. Have you got to this part? Are you liking this book? So, <laughs> oh, I know, oh, I know. Um, Guess what? I think. Uh, are we just about at the end of our session? Yeah, I feel, I feel like I'm, I think, I think we're close. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's our show. You can read our show notes, including a list of the books we haven't finished yet, on our Goodreads page, which you can find on our website at www.melbournelibraryservice.com.au and it's on the read page. We would also love you to tell us what you're still reading or ask us for a recommendation or give us a recommendation that you'd like one of us to review and we'll put it on the show and that could be the name of one of our segments. So that could be Reader Recommendations. Uh, and we're happy to do that. Uh, tweet us at Melb Library with the hashtag Dear Reader or join the conversation on Goodreads. And don't forget, you can subscribe and download Dear Reader episodes at iTunes by searching for Melbourne Library Service. Woohoo! If you like what you're hearing on Dear Reader, we'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps others find out about us and it gives us a nice, warm feeling. Woohoo! <laughs> and thank you for listening. Yeah, until next time, thank you. Bye! Over and out. <laughs> Thank you.